0: from verses 1 to 19, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus So that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice to say say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street And ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. he regained his strength. Come, Josh. Father, we give you thanks and praise for people like Josh who are able to expand on your word. We pray, Father, this morning that uh, what he has to share with us comes from you, and we pray that it will be a blessing to us. We do ask it in your name. Amen. Amen.
1: Thanks mate. Yeah, you got it. It's alright, doesn't matter. <clears throat> well, the conversion of Saul, we continue in our series in Acts, um, and I'll touch on it, but last week we were looking at the, another conversion and that was the Ethiopian eunuch and his interaction with Philip. We first come across Saul in Acts chapter 7, at the stoning of Stephen. Uh, the, the people dragged Stephen out as he talked about Jesus being the son of God and dragged him out of the city to kill him. And it says there that the witnesses, they dragged their coat, took all their coats off and they threw them at the feet of this young guy called Saul, who approved of the murdering Stephen. Saul was, uh, you would say quite well educated. He was a student under the, the Rabbi Gamaliel. And we, 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 we come across him in Acts 5 and, we see that in Acts 5, Saul's uh, rabbi was actually quite a reasonable sort of a man. In Acts 5, he, he, he actually saved the life of the disciples. He, he said to them, look, if their message isn't of God, if it's of man, it'll fail. Just let them go and they'll have no impact. But you see here in chapter 9 and in Saul's life, he showed none of that wisdom or grace and he lived the life of persecuting Christians. You see, now we're, we're getting into the stage where the, the good news that, that Jesus spoke about to his disciples and said it's, it's for here in Jerusalem and to Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the good news is spread out of Jerusalem. And we read about it here. It's it's hit Damascus, about 250 kilometers northeast of Jerusalem. And Saul has gone to the high priest to get the authority to go into these synagogues in Damascus and arrest. Not just the apostles and the disciples, but arrest the anyone who says that they're a follower of the way. Anyone who claims to have faith and salvation in the name of Jesus and bring them back down to Jerusalem and jail them and perhaps murder them. He's a brutal, evil man. In his passion for religion, he's intent on killing the church that Jesus established and is building. I think we're very sheltered from suffering like this in Australia. Um, But because of social media and the way of the internet and the way that we can interact around the world so quickly we—I I, my memory was cast back to the horrible circumstances in 2015 I think it was when 21 Egyptian Christians were taken to the beach of Libya and were given an opportunity to denounce their faith and it was recorded, and there was a horrible death for all of them because they all claimed to belong to the way. They all believed in salvation through Jesus. What a testimony of faith. And here is this brutal man heading north to Damascus on the road, To continue his fight and his charge against followers of Jesus. We more commonly refer to Saul as Paul. Um, That's his non-Jewish name that we we, uh, put a lot of the writings in the New Testament uh, to Paul. And he shares his story a couple of other times in Acts 22 and 26. And from there, it says it's about midday. And I don't know if you've been to the Middle East at, at midday. Um, our well, My only experience, but our experience uh, back when Rachel was pregnant with Ava and we were in Dubai for a few nights on a stopover coming back from Scotland. And we got off the aeroplane that was obviously beautifully air-conditioned and just take that first couple of steps and at Dubai you stepped out onto the tarmac and you just I just remember just being covered like in sweat straight away. It was like disgustingly hot. Well, it was July, so it was the hottest probably time of the year there. Um, you, the, the hotels, every, everywhere was indoor. You sort of just hardly went outside because as soon as you walked out of the hotel, it was just like uh, you could hardly breathe just to get across the road to the shops or something. this hot sun in the middle of the day and it says a light from heaven flashed around him and it seems though it would have stood out from the hot bright sun this flash from heaven around Saul and at some point forced him to close his eyes And the men that were with him were speechless. As we consider not just Saul, but anyone who encounters Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and for salvation, as we consider that, I want to just make three observations this morning. The first one is that God has diverse plans to bring about salvation. And the second and third point are sort of action items for us, that we would be driven to pray and that we would desire change. We mentioned it from Acts 8, Philip with the Ethiopian Ethiopian eunuch was a, a completely different set of circumstances than what we're Talking about here with Ananias and Saul in chapter 9. If you get the time, if you weren't here last week, listen to Rob's message. He's wonderful points on, uh, on a seeker. The Ethiopian eunuch. But also some great points on the, 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 the on Philip, the, the believer. And the way that he seek to be obedient to the Spirit who called him. who Immediately went. See, the power of the gospel doesn't change. But evangelism and the circumstances and the way that people encounter Christ can be completely different and diverse. I might have shared this before, but I was so touched by it, it's been in my mind for 25 years now um, as a 18-year-old, Twenty-five, forty-three. No, it must have been 17, because I'm only 42. <coughs> At Easter time, sitting in the Belgrave Heights Convention, as we did back then, so many of us went, and a guy shared his testimony. And he got up, and he was in his 30s or 40, and talked about the life of crime that he had committed. Uh, many, many armed armed with guns, armed robberies. And I was blown away. I was like this teenager growing up in a Christian home and just always had loving parents, and beautiful family. I was so privileged. I had Jesus has spoken to me about all my life. And I was so amazed at the difference in this life of this man who was robbing places with guns and he encountered Jesus in jail. I encountered Jesus in a small home in Glenelg when I was just a small person. I know many of us have had that similar experience but there are many of us who have different experiences. Perhaps it's your encounter with Jesus might be Mother's Day 2023 at Monty Community Church. That could be your story. But you see, as we look here in Acts 9, Saul isn't seeking out the truth like the eunuch of chapter 8. Remember, he was reading the scriptures in Isaiah. And we saw with Philip, he was this instant obedience, following the Spirit's calling. Yet here we read about Ananias is scared. This brutal, evil Saul. The, the, the news has obviously travelled already. It's gone before Saul could even get there, that who this guy is. Ananias replies to Jesus, I've heard that he does harm to the saints. And he comes to arrest us. Are you sure, Jesus? I mean, are you sure about this? What's the response? You're pathetic, Ananias. Are you someone else? No. I think Ananias is just very human. And we come up with all sorts of excuses. Very legitimate excuses. Stay quiet. It's too risky to talk. Fear of rejection, loss of status in our workplace, in our sphere of social environments that we find ourselves in, in sporting clubs, in family dinner time.
0: But this speaks
1: to a gracious and merciful God, not only willing to meet Saul, this brutal man destroying the church of Jesus Christ, not only willing to meet him and change his life, but to work through a fearful Ananias to be part of the solution. Just as I believe and know God to use us Amidst our fears and our failures. To use us for his glory. So where is our mindset then? Where does that leave us? To drive us to pray. If it is true that God is diverse in his plan to bring about salvation in different people's lives, we we know that, we understand that. You you don't need to grow up in a Christian home or attend 100 meetings and, and then the next step is that you'll encounter Jesus. No, that's not how it works. Then shouldn't we never give up? Praying for our parents, for our family, for our colleagues, for our neighbours. If God can reach out and encounter Saul, this murderer, if he can reach to the heart of the, the armed thief in jail in the 90s, then it tells me no one is out of his reach. Even a family member you've known all your life who has said no to God, who has said, you're crazy, I don't need that. Even to the, the, the person in your life that is so hard to get along with, it's difficult to even have a conversation. They're not out of reach. with the awareness and the knowledge of God's grace and mercy, that he has diverse plans to bring about salvation, I just felt this week that we should be driven to our knees to pray, to pray continuously for the lost. That we would say, Father, open our eyes to the opportunities. That you would decrease. As John said, and I would, I would decrease, you would increase God. Putting Jesus first. Being a shining light to a world that seeks love and mercy and forgiveness. At the heart of a follower of Jesus, I believe should be a desire to change. A desire to change. Not that you will produce amazing change, but that the gospel that has come into your life to bring about salvation and forgiveness would also bring about change in your mind and in your actions. You see, after encountering Christ, Paul or Saul has changed in the way that he thinks. He has now changed the way that he lives. And a couple of those things are really obvious. He's not hunting down followers of the way and arresting them. He's not hunting them down and killing them. In fact, as you read, he's now the hunted. They want to kill him. And in Jerusalem, the disciples are still scared of him. But he goes about teaching Jesus is the Son of God. And he goes on to explain in Romans 1 that not only is the gospel power to save, but the gospel is powerful to change the way that you think and live. that God's righteousness, his character, is made available to every believer by faith. It is now possible that God's character can be true in the life of every one of us here who has believed in Jesus as their saviour. And Saul, Paul, recognises that in his own life when he writes those words. The change that came about in his mind and in his life. He recognises it not as something that he did, but it's the power of the good news of Jesus that his spirit will come into our life and change us. Paul experienced that change. On our part, it's do we desire it? Do we desire the change? Is our attitude like the old hymn, "I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender"? Many of you will be very familiar with uh, Corrie Ten Boom a Dutch woman who spent time in prison of war camp in World War II, who lost her family, especially a a sister, Betsy, who she was close with. In 1947, she speaks of, written a well-known story of her travelling to Munich and speaking at a church service on God's forgiveness. And during that service, she spoke about her experiences at Ravensbrook, Prisoner Camp. And after the message, she got down and she saw at the back of the room a man's face who says she said she'll never forget a guard from Ravensbrook. and he approached her not recognising who she was and as she, he did the trauma of what she experienced was obviously ever so real in her mind and in her life because she was shaking and she couldn't Grasp what was going on, she was, um, reliving the moments that she had walked past naked before this guy, with her family in front of her. She recalls the, the way that her sister looked. Skinny, bone sticking out. Just in that moment, as she's seen this, In this church service, and she's just spoken on forgiveness. And he came down and said, I'm used to be a guard at Ravensbrook. I heard you mention Ravensbrook in your message. Those terrible things that I did, I, I recognize they are evil and terrible. But I've found Jesus, I've encountered. The living saviour and I am a follower of Christ. And he stuck his hand out and asked forgiveness of her. Corey Ten Boom says that in that moment it might have been a few seconds, but it felt like a few minutes. that she didn't know what to do. And she stopped and in that moment just prayed, Jesus, help me. Because I've just spoken about forgiveness, but this seems impossible. And she said, all I can do right now is lift my arm up, but the forgiveness part seems impossible. And she placed a hand on him, and she said, Jesus, help me. And in that moment, she explains it, it felt like a current coming down my arm and into his. And I was able to say, I forgive you. Desiring change, becoming like Jesus it is not a one off decision. It's not a one off action. Whether you came to the Lord as a fourteen year old teenager, as a seven year old, as a as an adult. Desiring change and Powerful change by the Spirit of God It is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment, prayerful, deliberate decision. Today, Lord, I surrender all of who I am to you. May I be mindful of what I think, of what I see, of what I do. Help me today, Lord, to pause in the moments of temptation and reflect on what it is you want me to do, what decision to make. When I want to get angry, when I want to talk about someone behind their back, when I want to go into the wrong place, when I want to do the wrong thing, help me realise what I need is found in you. Asking the Lord to empower us to love and forgive and be compassionate just like Jesus. Paul writes in his letters that this is not something that just happens, but a moment by moment, day by day. Becoming like Christ. The importance of reading God's word and prayer and quiet time with God, I just, it can't be overstated. Because it's in those moments that we take the steps for that day and for that moment, like Corey Ten Boom did to desire change and to start to see it happen in our own life. John 15, Jesus said, those who abide in me, and that's what I'm thinking about when, I, when I'm thinking about time with the, in God's word, prayer with, with Jesus, just quiet time, just a few moments of quiet to reflect on how good God is, where I've been, How he has brought me to here where I am today. Abide in me. And I will abide in you and bring forth much fruit. Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. Change won't happen because you're amazing. Change will happen when we surrender our lives and live by faith that the Holy Spirit would change the way that we think, change the way that we live. Father God, we are so dependent on you, not just for salvation, because there is no other way but Jesus. But we recognise, acknowledge that without you we can do nothing. We want our lives to be fruitful and that fruit to be the the character and the righteousness of who you are to be seen in us. Thank you for choosing us to be your temple, to live in us. May the fruit be seen and be tasted by many in our communities this week. Help us to be people who desire change and are driven to prayer for the lost. We thank you for this Mother's Day and the mothers in our life. And today we recognise this can be a difficult day. Um, But we honour our mums, we honour motherhood and we recognise that it is a gift from you. We commit this time in your hands, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for...